I love that, uh, that that song was lip-synced by two guys who were raised in churches where they were taught it was a sin to dance. Did you notice that they can't dance, right? And dancing is not a sin, but that dancing was sinful, right? So anyways, it's good to be together. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. Watch online. Good to have you guys here as well. Uh, my name's Jeff. If I haven't met before, I'd love to connect with you a little bit. And I've uh, been out running around the last few weeks as we've been laying out this series uh, that we call our mixtape, Seven Songs We Fell in Love To. And uh, Pastor Ryan has been walking us through uh, this idea of relationships. We've been looking at a book of the Bible called Song of Songs. Sometimes the, we'll also title it Song of Solomon, uh, but it's the same book of the Bible. And in that book, it's kind of this poetic interaction between two people falling in love. Uh, they're attracted to each other. They grow in their love for each other. They become committed to each other. And then they actually move into marriage and grow old together. So it's a, it's a great place to kind of see God's heart and his mind on relationships and what that would look like. So Ryan's been walking us through that. Now we discovered we need to find a, a man with a name, a woman with a heart. We need to grow in attraction with each other, chase out the foxes of temptation in our relationship and build in that foundation of a, of a strong relationship before we enter into marriage. I get to get back in town here and jump in on the marriage part. And uh, we're going to start on that this weekend. Uh, how do you create a healthy, godly marriage? How can you set it up so that it's alive and vibrant and fun and uh, goes throughout uh, your lifetime. So all Ryan's conversations are on the app or they're out on our website. You can look at uh, look there if you want to catch up on them. And this weekend, whether you're dating, uh, whether you're single, you can be 15 and single, you can be 50 and single. So whether you're single, whether you're single again, you've gone through a divorce, or whether we're married for a little time or a long time, all these principles are important when we talk about <clears throat> um, what marriage is and what God would want it to be. Now, I happen to be in this really awesome time to be talking about marriage because Heidi and I just got back from Hawaii uh, celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. And so I'm all amped up on marriage right now. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. So our anniversary isn't actually until August, so you can clap again and, and buy us stuff if you want then. But uh, I wanted to surprise her and take her to uh, Hawaii. We've been trying to go there for 25 years, but we had kids and they kind of kill all your dreams. And so uh, we weren't able to do that. Uh, but a, a few weeks ago, uh, I threw this surprise vow renewal and uh, I, I got her pretty good there. That's us renewing our vows. Thankfully, she renewed. I was a little worried uh, <laughs> about it. Uh, but we uh, threw a surprise party and then I kidnapped her. Uh, she found out at nine o'clock that at 4 a.m. we were leaving for Hawaii. Now it's funny, half the people in the room are like, you're a jerk. And the other half are like, that's amazing. And it's the half that says it's amazing. You're the fun people. Uh, so <clears throat> we went to Hawaii and uh, we were out in Hawaii for a while and uh, hung out there. That, that's me with a tan. That's about as as good as it gets right there. Uh, so that's us enjoying not having our children with us. And then, uh, and then we came home. We came home. And so on the plane home, that's, that's realizing that you wore shorts and you're going to Akron. Uh, so uh, we had a blast doing that and had a blast hanging out together. And, and while we were there in Hawaii, uh, I kept telling people we were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary because I was trying to get free stuff. And so uh, they, they'd be like, what are you here for? I'm like, it's our 25th wedding anniversary. You should probably comp dessert, right? And so we were talking about that. And it was funny as we, as we would tell people that or it would come out, 
uh, people would tend to say a, <clears throat> a few things to us. They, they would say, congratulations, of course. And then they would say some version of, oh, you guys are so lucky. You're so lucky. Like you, you, and, and what they were saying was like, you guys must have like lucked into it, right? Because it's weird. It's weird being married 25 years nowadays. Uh, the, if the stats are accurate, I'd say they're about right. Uh, about 50% of marriages fail within the first 10 years. So it's weird if you're married 25 years. If you're married more than 25 years, you're, weird, you're really weird for a bunch of, a bunch of reasons, actually. But, but you're, you're just weird. And so it would like catch people a little bit. You guys have been married for 25 years. And they'd say you're lucky as if somehow the fairy tale came true for us, right? That we found each other. We lucked into it. Our marriage just is just easy peasy. And we've cruised through the last 25 years. And when somebody said that we were lucky, I'll be honest, there was a part of me that wanted to punch him in the face. I really did, because it, it doesn't work that way, right? And so I'm thinking about this, especially this week, getting ready for our conversation. And I'm like, if it's not luck, then what is it that has given us 25 years? And we kind of both signed up for another 25. And why is that? Why would we want to do that? And, and I realized that when Heidi and I first got married, we, we engaged or locked into a vision for marriage. Uh, for us, marriage was never about surviving it. Like maybe somehow we'll put, each, put up with each other for all these years, and then we can say, see, you can do it, you know, kind of thing. It was never about sur- surviving it. it was a, it's been about enjoying it and thriving in it. And so then we fought for that vision. Like we haven't given up on that actually being true or ideal. And all of that comes ultimately from this, this spiritual decision that we decided that we were gonna honor marriage. We were gonna treat our marriage the way that we believe that God taught us to treat it. In fact, it, it's fascinating. The Bible says this in Hebrews 13. It says that marriage should be honored by all. And if we dug deep into that passage, there's a whole bunch to say there, but part of what it means is this is that our marriage is, marriage is different than any other relationship. And it's meant to be that way. When God created marriage, our, our marriage is not us being boyfriend and girlfriend for 25 years. Uh, our marriage is not surviving. It's not us being the parents of the same children. It's certainly not a legal contract. That a marriage is to be honored by all because it's a unique relationship that God created in a unique way. In fact, it's one of two primary relationships that every human being can enter into. Now, when you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and you look at the beginning of creation and humanity, you see two primary relationships. Our primary relationship is between us and God. God created Adam, and God and Adam were friends. They enjoyed each other. They were connected to each other, and that's our primary relationship. Later on, in history, somebody asked Jesus, they're like, what does God really want? He said, I, I want that. I want you to love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It's your primary relationship. The second relationship that God ever created was a marriage, Adam and Eve, between a man and a woman. And it's the second primary relationship. And, and even, even when Jesus answered the question later on, he said, here's, here's the bottom line, love the Lord your God through your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second commandment's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Heidi, my spouse, your spouse, is your first neighbor. They are the first person that I express love and commitment to. 
And so when Paul says later on, when he wrote Hebrews, he said, listen, when, when, you're, when you're thinking about marriage, you honor it, you approach it differently. My, my marriage comes above before all other relationships. Before even my biological family, when I get married, I leave my father and my mother and I cleave to my wife. We become one flesh. We become one thing. See, it's different. So I walk away even from my biological family. Certainly friends, certainly work. My marriage is primary relationship above my children. My marriage sits above all of that. And that's part of how we honor it. And that's part of how we draw out the wonder of marriage, how we draw out the vision that God put into marriage, is we place that above all those other things. So when somebody looked at us, they're like, you're lucky. I'm like, here's my fist in your face. It's what I thought I didn't do it, because if I was going to hurt him, I'd have Heidi do it. But I'm like, <laughs> right? I'm like I, I want to punch you, because I'm like, I know what you're saying, and you're not being a jerk, but man, it doesn't work like that. Like there's, there's something we believed and still believe. There's something we worked for, not in a miserable way, more like in an accomplishment kind of a way. And we would look and, and say 25 years later, like we earn this, it's kind of, it, but it's like a celebration, like we climb the mountain together, you know, kind of a thing. We earn this because we placed marriage in that proper role and we honored it in that way. And that would be God's vision. That's what he would want. That's what he would want for all of us. And that's why he gave us this gift, the second primary relationship, this gift of marriage. And that's what's unfolding in Song of Songs, that people, fall, be, people being drawn to each other, people falling in love, right? People growing with each other. And then as you get into the second part of the book, they're being married. They're living a life together. And they're doing that with joy and passion over the course of a lifetime, okay? So I want to go back to Song of Songs. I want to look at this. And I want to look at how God defines and describes love in the book of Song of Songs. And, and he uses three words. So the Song of Songs was originally written in Hebrew, right? So we took it from Hebrew, we translated it to Greek, we translated it from Greek to English. So sometimes it's fun to go back into the original languages because that English translation, we would just say the word love, right? We, should, we love each other, I love you like this. But in the original language, in the Hebrew, those, they would have been three different words that describe three different aspects of love. So there's three of them. The third word we're going to talk about next week, because the third word, the third Hebrew word for love is the word dod, and it's about, it's sex, that we express love through sex. So I'm just warning you ahead of time, next weekend service is going to be rated PG-13. We have phenomenal children's ministries that your kids are going to love. You may want to check that out. But I don't, I'm not going to talk about sex this weekend without you being ready for it because it'll make you cringe. In fact, every time I say the word sex, you cringe a little bit. You know what I mean? Sex, 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 sex. So, <laughs> so I just want to be, you know, gracious about the whole sex thing. And so uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to really dig into that and talk about that biblically uh, next weekend. This weekend, I want to talk to you about the first two words that God uses when he's defining these aspects of love, and all else builds off of these ideas, okay? So in Song of Songs, the first word we'll look at that God uses is this Hebrew word called reah, reah. Every time you say something in Hebrew, you kind of have to clear your throat a little bit, like reah, right? And this is the idea that we would get the idea of friendship or companionship. It's what that would mean. It's a reah kind of a love. Uh, an example of this in Song of Songs uh, would be uh, Song of Songs chapter 2, 
Uh, this is the man and the woman, the beloveds, they call each other, talking back and forth to each other as saying this, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys, like a lily among the thorns is my darling among young women. And then she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. This is a rea kind of a love. This is a love that, that we engage in when we meet each other and we would, we would kind of call it soulmate love. Like when, when I met this person, when I met this woman, when I met this man, they like get me. They just get me, right? They complete me. You had me at rea right? Like they, they, they do that for me. Nobody understands me like this person understands me. I could talk to them for hours. This is what it's like when you're dating. I'm connected to them. I, I've done premarital counseling with people and they'll say things like, I cannot envision life without her. I cannot envision life without him. This is this companionship, this, this special thing. Of all the lilies in the valley, you're my lily. I, I interact with all these different women. There's all kinds of women around me, but I got to be with you. I interact with all these different men that, that are around my life that, that I know or I understand, but somehow uh, in all the force, you're my apple tree, right? And when I think about you your banner, your ownership over me is, says love, that I feel loved by you. I want to love you in return. I enjoy being with you. I want to be with you. You are my best friend. And we would, we would use the word a lot of times, soulmate. You're my soulmate, okay? And so when we were in Hawaii, people were looking at us and saying, well, that, you're lucky. You stumbled across your soulmate. And I, that's why I want to punch him in the face, because that's not the way it works. Here, here's something for you. If you were going to get a tattoo, this is one you could get this week. Ready? Here it is. You don't find your soulmate. You create them. Did you catch that? You don't find your soulmate. You create them. You create the relationship. You invest a relationship. It comes naturally, easily at first because you're discovering all these things. But if you want to have a healthy, happy, thriving marriage, that reah love, that friendship love is something that you have to invest in, something that you have to give yourself to, and something that you work on over the years. And when you, when you look at marriage and you think about how this happens, as I enjoy my spouse's dreams, as I invest in her life and she invests in mine, as we love being together and share life with each other, as we share our hearts with each other, okay? That's the vision. Now, here's the natural tendency. The natural tendency over time is to drift away from that. Over time, I'm, I'm going to drift away from that. And, th and this is how we become like grumpy old people living in the same house. And these are most of the marriages that we experience. So mo if the stats are right, and I'd say they're about right, about 50% of us are from divorce homes. Of the 50% of us whose families did not go through a divorce, how many, what's the percentage of those that were actually healthy and thriving? It's pretty minuscule. In fact, for most of us, we would look and say, I, I have trouble finding a marriage that I would want to copy. 
Because maybe, maybe for us at best, it's like these two old people, they live in this house together, and they, would ra- they don't really want to be around each other. Like, Dad's always mowing. How many times a day do you have to mow the grass? right? Mom's always, how clean does the house have to be? And you realize, well, they they don't really, they live these very independent lives. They don't really laugh together. They kind of are always grumpy with each other. They don't enjoy each other. The the friendship, the reach love has been lost. And that is the, that is normal. It's average. It's typical. Now, what it can become if you don't invest in it and build it is it can become dangerous, right? So it's pretty typical that the person that you become closest to is not your spouse. After, after years of like familiarity, years of hurting each other, because what human beings do best is we sin against each other, right? Because the most naturally for us. Years of, of baggage, years of blah, blah, blah. It's pretty typical. It's not unusual for a wife to share her, her, the deepest parts of her heart with, with another girlfriend somewhere. It's not unusual for a man, when he thinks about having fun or something he really looks forward to, it's with his buddies. It's not a, but at the beginning, it wasn't that way because everything was easy. You didn't have to work at it. At the beginning, you were like, you, you broke bro code all the time to go hang out with her, right? At, at, at the beginning, but over time, it's pretty typical. And that becomes dangerous when, when my best friend is outside of my spouse, when, when I'm not working to enjoy, I'm not working to forgive, I'm not working to keep no record of wrong. And that will, that will lead to distance, that will lead to callousness, that will lead to affairs, that will lead to divorce, right? Because over time we become callous to this idea of being soulmates, creating that relationship. Years ago, uh, Heidi and I, when we were engaged, uh, she was living in Ohio with her mom and dad working, and I was, it was summertime, I was living in Philadelphia working out there, and she called me up, and she's like, I want to see you. I was like, me too, I want to see, see you. And, and she's like, I, I worked overtime. I got some money to buy a plane ticket. And right then, I was like, I love you. It, it, as, as soon as a woman says, I work overtime, you're like, ah, marry me, right? So she, she's like, I, I worked overtime. I got this money. I want to come see you. I said, great. She said, here's the plan. I'm going to catch a plane in Columbus. I'm going to fly to New York, to JFK. I'm going to switch planes. I'm going to fly to Philadelphia. Pick me up at the airport. I'm like, I am there for you, baby, right? She executes the plan, and I get this phone call before I go to the airport in Philadelphia. She says, hey, the plane broke down, and I'm stuck at JFK, and I can't get another flight till the morning. And I was like, I will come rescue you, right? I, baby girl, I am on my way. I am going to go rescue my woman from New York City. So I did, it was, it, it, I, I got out the maps. This is before GPS. I got out the maps, right? And I'm looking at the maps and I chart my way up to New York City. I left my apartment at 1 a.m. to drive to New York City to pick her up. I parked the car at JFK. I went into the terminal. Heidi was sitting there on the floor. Some jerk was hitting on her. She jumped up, ran down the terminal, went airborne, jumped into my arms. I spun her around. I gave her a kiss. I rescued my woman, right? That's what I did. That's what I did, right? Now, 25 years later, 
if Heidi got stranded and called me at one o'clock in the morning from JFK, <laughs> see, what would the reaction be? It probably would be something like this. This is be the temptation. Didn't you book the flights right? Right? A ho- you want to get a hotel in New York City? Don't they have a cot? Can you get a cot? Right? Because over time, we become callous, we become distant. I'm not looking to run to my best friend. Now, if my best buddy called me at one o'clock in the morning, I'd probably drop everything and run and help him. If her best buddy from the gym called her at one o'clock in the morning, she'd probably drop everything and go help her. If one of the kids called at one o'clock in the morning, right, Heidi would immediately wake me up and tell me to go help her, right? (laughs) That's the way that would work. But all of a sudden, like, it's just you. See? And that's pretty typical. And when we get in those phases, what we're doing, guys, ready? We're not honoring marriage. See, we're we're treating marriage like it's every other relationship. In fact, a lot of times we'll treat it like it's worth less than every other relationship. And we're not honoring it. We're not cherishing it. We're not holding it above because my best friend, my companion, my soulmate is someone that I would invest in and I would make a priority in my life. Average is always easy. Average is always easy. It's easy to get a C. Awesome always takes investment. And looking and saying, my marriage is different. I'm going to, inv- I'm going to do the work to have somebody watch the kids so we can get away. We're going to go out on the date. Or even, we, we've caused this pain. We're going to work through this pain so we can keep our hearts open to each other. I'm going to discipline my life so that I can be at home and invested in my wife, my husband. We're going to go to the counseling. If it's deep wounds or baggage, we're going to go to the counseling so that, so that we can have the, hypey, the, the hyper-thriving marriage that, that we want. There's no concept of survival and reach love. It's thriving. It's the soulmate. It's the investment that we would work for. And I can tell you from experience, all that is worth it. This is not like miserable stuff. It's like accomplishment stuff. It's like trophy stuff, right? It's not this thing you slog through. I gotta, guess I got to go invest in my wife now, right? It's not that at all. But if you just take your hand off the wheel, it'll always drift. It's that honoring, it's that focus. I'm always going to come back and I'm going to treat this relationship differently and in a special way so that I can be a part of receiving the blessing that God created marriage for, right? So, reah, love. Now, here's the second word that God uses in, in, the, uh, in the book of Song of Psalms. It's this ahava, ahava love, right? And this is the idea, this, the way you would define this, it's, it's the love of the will or the love of the commitment, right? So it's the willful love. It's a commitment love. Ahava love is this idea that I have chosen to be with you. I am in this and I'm in it to win it. I'm not in it because I'm stuck in it. 
I'm in it to win it. I want to keep this commitment. I want to. It's an act of the will. It's a decision making. It's where I want to be. Uh, Song of Songs, it would show up here in chapter 8. The beloveds are talking to each other and they would say things like, place me like a seal over your heart, right? Like a seal on your arm, very representative of God's love. The Bible says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're cemented. We're locked in, right? So reflective of God's love, I'm sealed like that. Uh, for, for our love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love. It's a hava love. Rivers can't sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. The lovers are looking at each other and they're saying, no, 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 no. We're in this to win it all the way. This is a cemented, this is a decision that's been made and is not being yielded. Uh, The waters won't wash it away. The fires won't burn it down. Uh, We are jealous of this love. We honor this love. It's above other loves, right? So we are jealous of it. And all the money in the world isn't going to buy this because we have locked our lives. We have locked our hearts, our minds, our, our future path together on purpose. It's an ahava love. This is a big deal, guys, because, because this is, is a huge thing that goes against some of the romantic ideas of love. It, this is the other tattoo that you should get this weekend. You should remember this. If I, could, if I could like imprint one thing on you, it would be this statement right here. We talk about it a lot, but I want you to always remember it. Okay, it's this, that love is not a feeling, it's a decision. Love is not a feeling, it's a decision. A feeling is a feeling, And loving each other can be motivated by feelings or lead to feelings. But it's a feeling, not a decision. The the Bible tells us that the ultimate display of love is Jesus willingly laying his life down on the cross. And the night before Jesus was crucified, the last thing he asked his father is if he could not do this. He wasn't like, ooh, crucifixion in the morning. It wasn't a feeling. It was a willful choice. And he said to his father, Lord, if you, Father, if you take this cup from me, but not, your, my, not my will, but yours be done, I will do it because I love you and I love them. But I don't feel good about it. So love is, a feel, love is not a feeling, it's a, a decision. And, and it has all kinds of feelings surrounding it. Sometimes I feel great about loving Heidi. Sometimes I don't feel so great about it, Right? But this Ahava love is, is that. It's a commitment. It's a vow. It's a willfulness. I want to do this for you and with you, this Ahava love. Now, this is important to kind of get our, our, our head around because of this. Marriage is not the culmination of our feelings for each other. Marriage is not the culmination of our feelings for each other. A wedding is a culmination of our feelings for each other. And they're great. I'm real pro weddings. So you want to go bankrupt having a wedding, have a blast. Or you want to have one in a barn, do that. But, but it, it's fine. A wedding is a romantic thing. And it's great. It's really positive, right? So a wedding is a culmination of feelings for each other. A marriage is not. 
A marriage is a willful decision to give your life away. When, when Heidi and I got married, or you and your spouse got married, when I looked at Heidi, I wasn't saying, oh, I love you so much, you're so amazing, I hope this feeling lasts forever, because it won't. When I married Heidi, what I said to her was this, I am giving up my life. I'm giving it to you. My life belongs to you now. My mind is yours. My will is yours. My body is yours. My future is yours. My dreams are yours. I want to do that. And then Heidi reciprocated that, right? She looked at me and said, I am giving up my life, my mind, my future, my body, my will, my hopes, my dreams. I, I want to give them to you. So in marriage, marriage is not this, this big romantic thing. Weddings are, and there's lots of romance in marriage, and that makes, you know, it's all fun. But ultimately, what I'm saying is I'm dying to myself, and I'm giving myself fully to you. It's an act of the will. Now, I'll tell you this. When we got married, at least for me, I said all that stuff. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. And, and, and the, the part that I didn't expect was this. After 25 years of being married now, 24 and a half, right? I want you to buy me stuff in August. So 24 and a half, right? This is what I didn't, I didn't expect. I looked at Heidi 24 and a half years ago, and I said, I will give you my life for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. I had no idea that the deepest parts of our love for each other would be in the worse, the poorer, and the sickness elements of those vows. The richest part of our love is in the, the worse, the poorer, and the sickness part. And I had no idea that as Heidi and I would go through the difficult life circumstances, not miserable marriage stuff, just life, that we would be able to express love to each other in a level and on a dimension that is actually indescribable. That we would sit 25 years later and say, I love you more deeply and completely and passionately than I've ever loved you because of the worse, the poorer, and the sickness stuff, and the fact that in those moments, you expressed to me a hava love in a way that I had never experienced and I didn't even know I needed. This anniversary was a blast, right? I mean, we're in Maui. By the way, if you have young kids, the day that you can leave your kids with your kids and leave the continent is a good day. Right, so we, we did that. Our kids kind of took care of each other. And so it, it, it was great. And we had a blast. But I, I would say in some ways, it, it, may, it wasn't necessarily the most meaningful anniversary we've ever had. It was fun. I'd go back tomorrow. But I remember our 10-year anniversary. I remember being up in Canada with some friends, and Heidi and I went out the night of our anniversary. And I remember sitting on this rock over, looking at this beautiful lake that's up there, and, and crying together. 
And I remember Heidi looking at me and saying, I love you more than I've ever loved you. I said, why? And she said, because you never left my side. Our anniversary is in August. We buried her mom in May. You never left my side. You never complained. When we stopped our life and we moved in with my parents, you were right there with me. When, when you volunteered to, to do the night shift and take care of mom physically, your mother-in-law all night long, you never even wavered, you never complained. She said, I love you more than I've ever loved you because I know that you will always be there for me. I have a love. You chose to, you wanted to do that. I remember our 15th anniversary. Our 15th anniversary, we were in the middle of kid, you know, little kids. We, we had six kids in eight years, no twins. And so we did a bunch of kids, right? And, and I remember our 15th anniversary, one of the kids had flushed down one of the toilets a, a roll of scotch tape. And I tried to snake it out, and it wouldn't come out. I tried to burn it out. You, it does not burn. You could, you could wrap like the, a rocket in scotch tape, and it would make it to the sun, right? It, it, would, not, it would not burn it. So finally, what I had to do was, was I had to take the, the toilet off, dislodge it, and, and I, I was trying to reach up and grab the scotch tape, and I couldn't do it. So I called Heidi. She, I said, I need your help. So she took the toilet, and she grabbed it, and she squatted it, CrossFit Functional Fitness. And she, she has the toilet like this. She's holding it, right? I'm on the ground with my hand up the business end of the toilet trying to get the scotch tape. And she's holding it like this, and I'm laying like this. And I looked at her, and I go, happy anniversary, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a, it's a have a love. There's no romance in it. There's no feeling, but it's a hilarious memory. You can say, that's disgusting. That's horrible. No, that's funny. It's great. You look back on that and you're like, we did that together. See? I remember our 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary, we had just buried both of my parents, cared for them and their failing health. They lived with us. I, I had a horrible time coming out of that season. My dad died 13 months later. My mom died. Horrible time. Plus, I have this little thing that I am, I'm involved with called Grace Church that's always growing, always expanding. And, and I, I found my limit emotionally. And so here I am. I'm a, I'm a wreck. I'm defeated, I'm exhausted, I'm grieving, I'm overworked, I, I am fighting a depression. I am not pleasant to be around. Those are not happy days in the Bogue home. It's a miracle that I'm in ministry. It's a miracle Heidi and I are married. And I remember going out on that anniversary and sitting across the table at the restaurant thinking, well... I guess we have to be in the room with each other. And I'm looking at this soulmate of mine who had every reason to be done but expressed a hava love. I'm in it to win it. We'll get through it. This is not happy right now. I didn't know when I got married 
those would be the richest expressions of love. Surprises and trips, they're, they're a blast, by the way. You do all that, especially with rah, love, right? It's fun. I didn't know that the richest parts of our relationship would be in the poorer sickness, worse half of our vows. And you climb those mountains together, you, you stand at top of those things with a, with a different passion, a different security, a different love. See? It's not because you survived it. It's because you conquered it. There's something fun about that. See? I said this, the vow of marriage is not the vow of unending happiness. It's the vow of determined decision-making. I will not leave you. I will not give up. I will fight this through till we're happy again, because happiness comes and goes. It's, an, it's a feeling. It comes and goes. No big deal. It's the way it is. We will get back to that. When we have hurt each other, we will heal each other. When we've drifted apart, we will steer this, this train back toward each other. We will be friends. We will enjoy it. We will forgive as we've been forgiven. We, we will be patient. And marriage becomes richer and richer and richer. And this is God's vision. God's vision for marriage is that, is that we would understand Christ in a more tangible way and we would reflect his love to our spouses. As we love each other that, that way, as we love each other with this ray of love, it, 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 it's how God loves us. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God is glad to see you in the morning. You walk into the room, he's like, hey, it's you, Right? And he's like, I want, that's what I want out of marriage. Like, you guys would look at each other and instead of be like, oh, she's home. Right? Hey, it's you. Well, I have to work at that. In, in, in all of my friendships, I have to work at that. I have to spend the time. I have to spend the energy. Or you never have. If you never grab lunch, you never get the cup of coffee. If you never get together, you never build a relationship. It's no big deal. It's just the way that we work. And all I'm doing in marriage is saying, you know what? That's the first one I'm building. It's the one I'm paying the most attention to. Hey, it's you, you're home. Hey, it's you, I'm so glad, I missed you, right? And God would look and say, I want, I want Heidi to understand that I, God, think of her that way because Jeff thinks of her that way, right? This Ahava love, I'm not going anywhere. I, Jesus, said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I want Jeff to know what that looks like and feels like as Heidi loves him that way. No matter how bad it is or low you are or spent you are, the, the one that's beside you every night that you wake up to every morning isn't going anywhere. See? And it teaches me that God is like that. And that's God's vision for marriage, that, that, that I experience God the most 
through my spouse. God is the most tangible to me through my spouse. And, and in that, he's like, you express my love to each other. And that's my vision, my goal for marriage. And, and in it, you'll experience a joy and a richness and a fulfillment that's actually beyond description. It really does get better the longer it goes. Right? Because your relationship with me winds up being reflected in your relationship with each other. I love this picture. Um, if you were guessing, that's my grandmother's uh, wedding band. That's a new wedding band that I got for Heidi. So if you looked and said, whose hands are these? These are whose hands? Yeah, they're Heidi's hands, right? These are, this is a picture of Heidi's hands. So if you were guessing, you're saying, uh, if I look at that set of hands, I would guess that those are Heidi's hands, right? Would that be logical? You're wrong. You know whose hands these are? You ready? You know whose hands these are? These are the hands of Christ. When I had to stay up all night every night for six months and take care of my dad, change him, shower him, give him his meds, and when he died, I had to pick his body up and carry his body out of my home. And I needed the comfort of Christ. That I was so spent and distraught, I couldn't think. And I needed the comfort of Christ. You know how Christ expressed his comfort to me? Through these hands. When these hands wrapped their their arms around me, wiped the tear from my face. It wasn't Heidi, it was Jesus doing that. The most joyful moments of my life, six best days of my life are when my kids were born. I love, <clears throat> I love being a daddy more than anything on the planet. Love it. Six best days of my life. You know whose hands... God used to celebrate the birth of my children with me. When Jesus showed up in the room and he was like, I am as happy for you. I'm more happy for you than you are. I am so excited that you get to have the blessing. You know who physically, how God expressed his joy for me with? With, with these hands. Heidi's hands. When I feel insecure, because I feel insecure a lot. This whole Grace Church thing, don't tell anybody, but I kind of make it up as I go. And I have to make decisions, and it affects thousands of people that I love. And I feel alone, and I'll be in a room, and I'll, we'll brainstorm stuff, and then this happens once in a while, the whole room will look at me, and I'll think, oh, that's right. I guess I have to decide. So I'll make a decision and I'm not sure or I'm not certain or Satan's causing me to doubt myself and I need to feel the security of Christ. I need to, I need to know for sure 
He hasn't left me. I need to know that he's, he's proud or he's in agreement with the decision I just made for his church. Christ takes my hand with these hands. He, he, he pats my shoulders with these hands. The love of Jesus is most tangibly expressed to me through Heidi. See? That's the vision of marriage. It, it's, got, it's got nothing to do with making it. Right? It's more than that. And if, if we give up on that, if we bail on that, if we look and say, you know what, I'm so used to her, I'm so used to him, I'm just going to go, th then we rob ourselves of this wonderful, wonderful love that grows deeper and richer and more passionate the further that you go. And, 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 it's, and it's built off of a friendship. It's built off of a willful decision-making process. And it all reflects, see, it all reflects God's love for us, our love for him. And that's why it's honored. It's not like other things. It's honored above all these other relationships. If you're single, you can be 15 and single, you can be 50 and single, right? So if you're single and you dream of falling in love, you build these relationships right. Heidi and I also built our dating relationship right, okay? So you, you build it right. And this vision, this is not a fairy tale, right? This, this vision is, is real and achievable and God can empower you to live this way. If you're single, again, and you're in a place you look and say, I never, I never thought this was going to be the outcome. Okay. Right? Then, then I would look and say, as you're looking ahead, you, you hold out for this. You, you don't cave for convenience. You don't cave for sex. You hold out for this because this can be real. And if we're married, guys, listen, average is easy. Nobody's going to, if you're living in a house, paying your bill and kind of getting along, nobody's going to look at you and say you have a terrible marriage. You just have a normal one. Average is easy. Awesome takes work. I want, I want awesome. Right? And it's achievable. By the way, that does not mean perfect. Heidi and I got in a fight on Friday. I had to tell her to lower her voice. She's she got a lot of issues. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of sin, frankly, right? So she was, she was she's so wrong so often. So, like, so we, right? So we, we fight, we bicker. I'm not talking about a perfect marriage. That's ridiculous. But a wonderful marriage, that's actually achievable. So if you're married, if you have to ask for the forgiveness, if you have to let go of the wrongs, if you need to go to counseling, Heidi and I have gone to marriage counseling, there's no shame in that. We, got, we get stuck in our relationship with each other. If you got to go to the counseling, whatever it takes, don't give up on that vision because it's, it's worth it. It's rich. And 
one day you get to go to Hawaii and goof off for a week and just have a blast, right? So, some, sometimes it's easy peasy, but, but it's, it's better and better as the years go by, right? And it's a gift. It's a, it's, marriage is not an obligation so you can have sex. It's a gift that God wants to give you and he wants to express his love through you to another, okay? All right. And ask the band to come out. Give us a little time to think and, and uh, we'll pray, okay? Jesus, we love you. Help us with this. God, all of this is a supernatural interaction from you. It's you changing us. It's you really resurrecting us spiritually so that we can love in a way that, that we could not do on our own. And Jesus, you, Christ, is the center point of all things. As we love you, we will love our neighbor, our first neighbor, our spouse. So God, we ask for your help. We ask for your power. We ask for your healing. Everything that we need, God, to, to love each other and to express your love for us through through our spouses. God, for those of us who are single, God, put this vision deep within us so that we're looking for it, we're waiting for it, we're being patient for it. For those of us who are single a new time, God, we're, we have pain, we have the death of a dream. So we ask for healing and then the right focus moving forward. God, that if we, we're loving our kids and we're loving you and and looking for that, for that man with a name, that woman with a heart to move forward with. Above all, God, give us faith and trust in you and uh, to pursue and to latch onto and to value, to honor this gift that you've called marriage. Help us, Jesus, in these ways. In your name, amen.